0: If I am the joy, why don't I experience it all the time? It's a very significant question. This question arising at this time is very important. That means you are reflecting on what is happening. And this question also indicates one thing that intellectually I am aware of many things, but experientially they are not translating. That My intellectual experience is not translating into an experience to me. So, I am a bit confused. I am told that I am bliss, but I don't feel the bliss. I feel the stress and worries more often than I do feel the bliss. Yes, once in a while. This question arises only when you have an intellectual understanding, but there is no experiential experience to back it up. But it is good, because at least you should know what the theory is before you experience it practically. Then when you experience it, then the aha will come, oh, this is what we were looking at. In very simple terms, the answer is mind. Because of the mind, you don't experience your Mind is the impurity of pure consciousness. When you are able to separate out, tease out this impurity, then you will see that you are love, you are bliss, you are joy. It happens to us in deep sleep. Why deep sleep is so joyful is because the mind is being teased away and you are just in touch with the pure consciousness. And the same thing happens in samadhi. The same thing is also provided to you in peak sensory experiences. At the height of any sensory experience, you will experience this state of no-mind, where just the pure consciousness explodes in you. Whether it is the peak of sex, whether it is the peak of a beautiful taste, Somewhere you connect to something deep within you, but doesn't stay for long. But that is inbuilt it, you have to recognize that there is a state where the mind drops off, there is only bliss. <coughs> so the Upanishads, this is not a new question. It's been asked many times by a student, and the Upanishads have answered this. Also. What do they say? There are three reasons. They give you three stages. The first stage is called Mala. We have spoken about the Mala. There is a talk on our web page. You go and look there and in detail, you know, we've spoken about what is mala or impurity. <clears throat> there is impurity in our antahkarana. That is why you are unable to experience the joy or bliss which you are. Where has this impurity come from? It has come from your vasanas, from previous impressions, by gunas, which you have no control on, and because of the conditioning of the society which you live in. How do I overcome this? Mala. Sadhana and seva is the way for this. Through sadhana, you break through this conditioning. Through seva, you gain good merit which will wash away the bad merits. And through sadhana also, you diminish your sattva and rajas and enhance your your tamas and rajas and enhance your sattva. So, sadhana and seva the preparatory phases for you, to begin with. Through this, the mala in the system comes down. When the mala in the system comes down, then you are ready for the experience. How do you experience? Through meditation. You say, oh, I sit into meditation, I get bored, I get distracted, I don't go deep at all. I don't experience samadhi; I'm just sitting. It is again because your purification is not complete. So, more sadhana you do, more... Se- Seva is so very important. See, Seva is not just donating something or taking up a big project. Seva is living with an attitude of what can I do, an attitude of responsibility, not of need. In your own house, are you living with the attitude of what can I get from you, what can I get from you? What angers you? If your son or daughter does not respect you, does not speak to you properly, you feel angry. If your husband or wife does not regard your views, you feel angry. What is happening? You are trying to fill a need within yourself. You are not there saying that I am here for you, use me. This is the attitude of seva can you use me? You can't walk on me, I'm not a carpet to walk over. That is our need or ego-based assumption. So you stand up and say, the attitude of I am here for you, use me, utilize me, is seva. And this very attitude will take away so much impurity. This humility will bring you so closer to yourself. There is one. The next part of this is scattered. Your mind is scattered, that's why you are not able to meditate. This scattered mind is because of a property of maya called as vikshepa. Vikshepa means projection. You are holding on to the wrong projections and then thinking why is it like this. Say for example, let's take this example, you walk into your room. In the room, there are hundreds of mirrors, each of different quality. Some are clean, some are dirty, some are concave, some are convex. Different, different. And in each mirror, you see a different image of yourself. If you are looking at a mirror in which you look very distorted and ugly and you say, if I am bliss, if I am beautiful, why am I so ugly? Why don't I experience? That's because you are looking in the wrong medium. You are looking outwards for bliss. As somebody very rightly put it, you all think bliss means you are floating around. All this imagination. Bliss is just the state of your being. It is not like you have taken a drug and you are floating somewhere. Yes, those experiences are also part of bliss, but bliss is just being in total harmony with existence, is bliss. You are looking in the wrong mirror, and expecting a wrong result, and then you are complaining, why is it like this? So this is called vikshepa, a wrong projection holding on to it. Even though all those reflections are of you, but none of them are accurate. The only accurate one is the one who is in front of it. And even if they are accurate, they are only a reflection, they are not the real you. So, what should you do now? drop your focus on this variety of images and focus on the person in front of the mirror sitting in the room. This is called Bhakti. What do you do? In Bhakti, you focus on the divinity which uses Maya as a tool and which is not surrendered to Maya. The same with an enlightened. For enlightened, the mind is a tool to use. The mind is not a... uh, they are not enslaved to the mind. So, you hold on to an idol, say an enlightened master or a guru, or whatever you think as divine, and this divine is one who is able to stand above this projection ability of my variable. To say that is only a reflection. That's a distorted image. That is not me. This is me. And then immerse yourself in them. Just by immersing yourself in them, you will start attaining the same level of consciousness, in which they have. The same purity will come in. This is Bhakti. Bhakti is very important to overcome the vikshepa, the variety, the diversity of projections, you bring it back to the source of the projection, which is you. When these two are there, then you are ready. And then you have to just uncover the avarna, the wailing effect of maya that happens through knowledge. Are you getting this? So these three parts you need to go through mala, vikshepa and avarana. Mala is the impurity in your faculties, which you get rid of through sadhana and seva. Vikshepa or the scatteredness of the mind, the destructibility of the mind, you make it focused through bhakti, through devotion, or you can call it love as well. And then, through one-pointed dissolution happens into yourself through knowledge, then you are ready for that. Then the moment you hear you are a janaka now, the moment you hear what Ashtavakra says, oh this is what it is, you will say. Okay?